Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If there's no real repentance, Jesus calls it this, fruits of repentance. If you're going to be a believer, there has to be a change that's evident in your life after. That's why this last statement, a real encounter with Jesus always results in real repentance. I'm sorry to say, because many people don't see this, Jesus said it in Matthew 7, there's going to be lots of people on Judgment Day and go, wait a minute, I, I, I made a profession of faith. Here's what Jesus' words actually are in Matthew 7, I never knew you. Playing games in regards to our eternal destiny is a dangerous thing to do. Doing things like going to church because it looks good, using Christian-type lingo, and pretending to be someone on Sunday that you aren't the rest of the week. Pastor Mark reminds us that Jesus warned against living such a fake life, not only in the Gospels, but in the book of Revelation. Jesus told of the consequences of false repentance, eternal separation from God, Pastor Mark will show through the story of Zacchaeus what true repentance, a genuinely remade heart looks like, as well as what it doesn't look like. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke chapter 19 with part two of his message, God, what do you want me to do for you? Let us hear your lessons for The impact of this blind man got who excited? Zacchaeus. Plus, he'd heard of Jesus. As a text collector, everybody walked by you, and you'd hear all the things. So he is absolutely thinking about, okay, this is a good day. This is a good day. He knew because of history, if he could get an encounter with Jesus, his life would change. Now, why would he want his life to change? He's at the top of his game. He's got the best house in time. He's got money. He's got a super job. Well, he was empty. He was lonely. He was guilty. He's afraid of death. None of that ever satisfies. An unbeliever realizes at some point, no matter what you try to stuff in your life, doesn't matter, people, places, thing, money, whatever, pride, it doesn't fill a spot that's only for God. You were created to know God. And unless you have a personal relationship, nothing will ultimately satisfy. And that's where Zacchaeus is. So he wants to see Jesus. Let me just read this from A.W. Tozer. The average person in the world today without faith and without God and without hope is engaged in a desperate personal search throughout their lifetime. There are people on this campus this morning. That's you. You're searching. You're searching for purpose. I mean, you're not even sure what that is. Why will all these people get saved tonight in Phoenix? Same exact principle all over the world. It doesn't matter. 
Now, look at the last part of verse 3. This passage, 19, is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Let's look at verse 3. But because of the crowd, he wanted to see Jesus, but because of the crowd, he was short. Is there something to laugh at or what? I'm sure he was shorter than me. He was, he was short and he could not see the crowd. You see, the crowd was huge. At no doubt pushing each other. And Zacchaeus was short. So this is the way it looked. Here's the crowd. Here's Zacchaeus. You say, Pastor Mark, how do you know? Been there. When I was a kid, I had to get on dad's shoulders. Later, I get one of them suckers like that. I could see. Why the crowd? The crowd was good. But sometimes, you know what happens? Satan will do whatever he can to keep us from meeting Jesus. What is the crowd that keeps people from meeting Jesus today? Lots of stuff. But I'll give you a a live story that I just heard this past Thursday. We have a person who's on staff now at our church, a pastor, a few years ago was not, and he gave his testimony. And his testimony was about driving by this church, not a part of this church at all. And here's what he said. When he drove by, well, let me preface it with one thing. The average sized church in America, just take the average church, not average in putting all the churches together, but the average church in America, except the mega churches or whatever, is 75 people. Okay, so we have 75 people at the coffee line right after. That's not about numbers. We don't care about that. But understand, when a large church like we are, six, 7,000 here, what is the perception of a large church to most people in Melbourne? Not Miami, not New York, not Los Angeles. Go in Los Angeles, you just throw a stone like there. There's another church of 5,000. There's one over there of seven. There's one. What about Brevard County? Most of our churches are what? Small. So when he drove by this church and they saw the parking lot, here's what he said in his mind. This was his testimony. He didn't know I was going to use it. He said, large churches have to be very impersonal. If I went in that church, they're not friendly. There's no way to get connected. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and go, I'm pretty friendly. Come on, come on, tell them. Are you friendly? Is this church friendly? Of course it's friendly. But from outside, they go, not a chance. We're friendly. Is it easy to get connected here? It's actually hundreds of times easier than a small church. You know why? Because sometimes, and I'm not against church. I'm not even talking about the size. But sometimes clicks. There's too many people here that clicks. I mean, yeah, we're friendly. We even take people out for dinner. And that's a good thing I want to suggest to you today. Right after you leave, find a couple you don't know, invite them to dinner. Why? Because we're very friendly. Now, let's move on. And the second thing he said was this. The reason I'm not going to that church, he said, is because I know a church that big, the only reason the people are there is because the pastors dilute the word of God. They, 
never mentioned sin. They never challenged the people. I just want to go where I can sit. You're wonderful. God loves you so much. You're perfect. You don't have to do anything. He says, I knew that's exactly what happened at church. Let me ask you a question. Is that the way I teach? Do I ever mention hell? How often? A lot. Who's saying a lot? You're wrong. I'm not firing brimstone. Why do we have to mention it from time to time? Because Jesus did. We teach this. I don't do this. We teach all the word of God. Prayerfully with love. So they started coming to the church. He's now on staff. Now, how did that happen? Wrong, wrong idea. Because they've never visited a church like this. So what we're going to do is put a big sign out front. We're very friendly. No. How do we change that perception? You talking to somebody else. Come on to that church. No, the parking lot's ridiculous. I'll drive for you. And when you walk in, we're very friendly. And God is in the house. That's why churches grow. Let me just challenge you. Don't let the size of our campus impact our world negatively. They want to see Jesus, but they think we're too impersonal and nothing could give them an answer. We have the answer to their lives. Now, how bad did he want to see Jesus? Look at verse four. So he ran ahead. Remember, he can't see. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now that's totally out of a character for a man that's known in the community. He's very rich. He runs like a child, goes down the street and climbs up a tree. Picture that. Never done that before in his life. What was climbing the tree? It was a step of faith. Why would he do that? Because he wasn't ashamed. He wanted truth. He needed a change in his life. And he was going to do whatever he had to, to get the change. Here, write this down this morning, V-I-O. A changed life is the goal. Remember, Jesus came so the lost could be saved. That was the goal. Now, look at verse five. When Jesus reached the spot... He looked up and said to him, hey, you, is that what your Bible says? He said, Zacchaeus. Now, why did he say Zacchaeus? Because Zacchaeus had a name tag right here. No, because God gave him the name. See, Jesus was just an ordinary person, but he heard from God. He was God and man. So he says, Zacchaeus, probably that shocked Zacchaeus right there. And look what he says. He says to him, come down immediately, not next week. Come down right now. I must stay at your house today. How many of you ladies would not like Jesus to come to your house this morning? Because your dishes are still out. No, I'm going to go on. This is the only time in the Bible we see Jesus invite himself to a home for dinner. 
He just came in. He didn't want to just eat with Zacchaeus. He wanted a personal relationship with him. Understand the goal of VIO is for people to come to a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus and Zacchaeus. It is not about some religious encounter where there's no change. It's personal. Who is actually seeking who? Well, it looks to us like him climbing a tree that he made the first move. But Zacchaeus didn't really make the first move. Jesus made the move by coming into Jericho. And that would absolutely change the whole day. Now, watch what happens. He is being led by the Spirit. He continues to be led by the Spirit. Because as he's walking by, he looks up at the spot. And he probably said, I can hear Peter going, what is that idiot doing up a tree? And Jesus probably said to him later, I'll teach you later about that. Zacchaeus, come on down. We're going to have a personal relationship. I want to talk with you about what you're searching for. How do people let us know that they're searching? Not climbing a tree. Let me give you some examples. Because outside this building, even in this building, people are searching. Everyone is searching. They're on a search since they begin their life. And many people take a long time to come to Christ. So people are searching. How can we sense to stop and see what's happening? What's an open door look like so that we can share what Jesus is going to do? Watch this. Let me give you an example. You're in your neighborhood. You're at work. You're at school, wherever. And somebody walks up to you and says this. I think my marriage is in trouble. Ask yourself, is that an open door? Of course it's an open door. And the first time you started addressing that person, by the way, is that an unusual situation? That that comment, is that unusual? No, that's everywhere. And our answer is not, well, if you get saved right now, that'll take care of your marriage. No, that's not the way we do that. Well, what's happening? It may take how many conversations? Two or three or four before we even get around. Other than you can say at the beginning, what? Well, I've been married. We've had problems. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I couldn't say that. Then you're not married. (laughs) Am I right? Of course. Otherwise, you're a liar. (laughs) Of course. So you can try to relate to them. And eventually, you can minister to them over that time. Let me give you another one. We have a problem with our teenage son or daughter. Is that a common problem? If they're 15 to 18, yes, it is. And that starts usually at 12. Now, is that an open door that I can eventually go and help them? Yes, I can. Here's one, big one. You're sitting at work. You get up to go to the water cooler and somebody comes up behind you. And they say this to you. You know what? I just went to a funeral of a close friend and I began to think about what happens to me after death. Is that an open door? That's a huge open door. Next, why do I feel so empty even though everything is great? Good house, good marriage, good kids, great job, have everything we need, but I'm empty. That is a common open door. And last, I'm confused as to what to do in this situation. What do you think? 
perfect because we get confused. But see, when you have a personal relationship with God, he will guide you. He'll answer the questions that we have. So notice Jesus took the first step and he initiated because that climbing the tree was Zacchaeus saying, help. And Jesus walked right into it. Now look at, he says to Zacchaeus, come on down right now, immediately. Look at verse six. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now, why would he welcome him gladly? Because he knew something was about to change. His life was going to get better. His sins were going to be gone. His guilt was going to be gone. And somehow he knew, he didn't even know what to call it, but somehow there was something personal in this encounter. We never want to forget how blessed it is to watch somebody that we share with come to the Lord. It brings joy to us and it brings joy to them. While this is happening, remember, big crowd, they're following Jesus to Jerusalem. What happened in Jerusalem when Jesus gets there is that Palm Sunday Road. Now look at verse seven. All the people saw this and they begin to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. That's a typical reaction from the Jewish people, the religious people, but really many times just from the crowd. So what was Zacchaeus known as? A cheating tax collector, Jewish, and he was known as a sinner. Yet Jesus is going to eat with him. I want to ask you a question. If Jesus had not interacted with sinners while he was here for three years, let's say Jesus just didn't interact with sinners. He's there for three years. How many people would Jesus have interacted with? Maybe five. His disciples who got saved early. Twelve. Now think of this. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. Who else are you going to preach to but the lost? Hello? That's why he came. Now, sometimes we look down on that, but I want you to get both your hands ready. Get ready. How many of you at one time in your life were a sinner? Keep them up for a moment. This is an altar call. You're all coming down right here, right now. How did you get found? Somebody was on mission. That's it. And you'll see later why that's been transferred to you and to me. As you see that, VIO simply means this. Seeking the lost, that's exactly what Jesus is doing. We have to look out. We have to ask God for wisdom. Open doors for me. Look, God, if there's a conversation at work or in the baseball field or in the neighborhood, just help me to be wise, be sensitive by the Spirit. We're seeking the lost, sinners who need God's forgiveness. Now, verse 8, in that dinner conversation, we don't know really what happened, but we know the outcome. Look at verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Let me unpack that for you. Jesus clearly says Zacchaeus has been saved in an instant. Sin's gone, forgiven, no more guilt. Only God can do that. That's supernatural. But Zacchaeus was not saved because he was a Jew. He was not saved because of good works, because he was saved before he said to Jesus, because I'm saved, I'm going to show you how much I've changed. He says, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. I'm going to repay those people I cheated four times. He was saved. Notice what Jesus says. He's the son of Abraham. Abraham is the father of the Jewish faith. In the Old Testament, he was saved in the Old Testament way by faith. He trusted in and believed in God. The Messiah wasn't there yet. What happened in that room? Was there a change of leadership in Zacchaeus's life? Before this, Zacchaeus's God was greed and money. Now look what he does. That's gone. His God now is God. God's in first place. And that brought a radical change to his life. Now, what proves that? It's the term repentance. Repent means to change one's mind. I need to be forgiven. I'm a sinner. I need God's grace. To turn around then to a new lifestyle. Many people, you'll see if you watch the Harvest America tonight, you'll hear Greg mention this statement. He's a great, great communicator. He'll say, maybe tonight there's thousands of people coming down to make a profession of faith. I'm sorry. I want to accept Christ. But he will never use the word then, a profession and a possession of a real relationship with God. Why? Because time tells whether there's been a change or not. Many people make a profession, but there's no change. It would have been like him saying, wow, things are good. Thanks, Jesus. Wonderful. Bye. Remember the blind man? If Jesus healed him and he goes, wow, my eyes are open. I can see. Jesus, give me a high five. I'll see you around sometime, baby. No, no. He then did what? He followed Jesus. If there's no real repentance, Jesus calls it this fruits of repentance. If you're going to be a believer, there has to be a change that's evident in your life after. That's why this last statement, a real encounter with Jesus always results in real repentance. I'm sorry to say, because many people don't see this. Jesus said it in Matthew 7. There's going to be lots of people on judgment day and go, wait a minute. I, I, I made a profession of faith. Here's what Jesus' words actually are in Matthew 7. I never knew you. Today, Pastor Mark reiterated what Jesus said his reason for coming to earth was, to seek and save the lost. We were told what the fruit of true repentance looks like using the life of Zacchaeus as our example. Zacchaeus not only spoke the words, but he carried out what he said he would do. It's vital that we're diligent to bear fruit of true repentance as well. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. The next portion of the message, we'll complete the teaching, God, what do you want me to do for you? Pastor Mark will try to help us understand the life and death nature of the job Jesus has given us. He will remind us also of our need to stay on mission. Even though it will be frustrating to be rejected, we need to carry out the task that has been given to us. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. Together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is giving.